0: welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler. And with me today, we have an interesting group. They're wonderful. You should be so excited. Of course, I have with me Cameron Spann. Hello. And I've got Nicole. Hey. Nicole's here. And we've got a special guest. Just know there's a special guest here. You're going to meet her in a second. Yes, you know she's a her now, so I've already teased that. But we've got a fun episode. We do have a special guest, a talent manager. Ooh! Ooh. But before we get into that, this is going to be a list of TV shows centered around employment. And so because I know you were eager to know who is this lady? Who is this her that is a talent manager? Who's behind this? So we will go through our list and then we'll get to the meat and potatoes that we haven't seen in a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the meat of the show. So TV show centered around employment.
1: Number one is The Office, obviously. I love The Office. That makes me such a millennial, though. I've I mean, never
0: seen it. Do you know, have a favorite episode?
1: Oh, man. Probably Dinner Party, where they go to Jan's house. And that's the one where they have a little TV and the Dundee Award. And it's just, it's amazing. I love that one. It's and a Benny one. Hanna Christmas is a good one, too. But yeah, it's just a documentary-style show. It originated in Britain and then America. We made a spin-off version. Uh, but yeah, it's just office workers and their quirky antics. You've got Michael and Dwight and Jim, Pam, the whole crew. It's amazing. <laughs> Everybody. And it's one of those shows where you can pick it up at any episode and just watch it. Kind of like Friends. You don't have to start from the beginning.
0: Oh, Matthew Perry. Oh, man. Yeah. So sad. So sad. I'm into silence. Uh, Parks and Rec. It's the next one on this list. I think that's kind of a lot of people will talk about Office and then Parks and Rec. I know Nicole. This loves is my favorite Parks show. And Rec. I didn't talk about it mm-hmm. for a second. You got it. <laughs> uh, I've seen
2: it a thousand times, and just every character is elite. Lil Sebastian is the best. He's a little pony that dies, and R.I.P. <laughs> Lil Sebastian. Three thousand candles in the wind.
0: Uh,
2: Katie, have you never seen this show?
0: I've seen a couple episodes. This is one that has Leslie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so I had a friend tell me that I'm like Leslie. I can so, see that. I'll be yeah, Anne. I'll be. Wrong. I feel like I avoid watching these two shows just because it kind of irritates y'all.
2: <laughs> it does <laughs> irritate me very much. <laughs> I'll take the next one. This is very different from the previous two. Severance on Apple TV. I'm not sure if anyone's seen it. It's, it's low-key like an amazing it show. It is the best show. It is. Of, well, one of the best shows I've seen lately. It's a sci-fi thriller about a group of office workers who've undergone a procedure to divide their memories between their
0: work and personal oh, life. Oh, I've been wanting to check this out. It sounds interesting. Yeah. So it's You like, really are two different people.
2: Yeah, it's like yep. they walk into the office and their brain like just distorts and they become this human When they leave the office, they don't know anything about what they do at work. Oh, I feel like this
0: is a podcast in its own of like, what would that be like to completely like separate? Because you talk about like bringing your work home or bringing mm -hmm. your home life into work. Ooh,
1: It's got a great season one finale.
2: The finale is just like jaw dropping, like big cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. We're patiently waiting for season two.
0: (laughs) This next one is Suits, which I just finished Suits not that long ago before it came to Netflix. And now it's like huge everywhere. Is this the Meghan Markle show? Meg- okay. I've never seen it. It, it is. She is in the show. <laughs> <laughs> it is not her I've show. I've never seen it. It's really good. It's about an, an attorney's office. And so it kind of gives you a little bit of like you know, Denny Crane and like all different aspects of some of the, because there's always been attorney shows mm-hmm. out there, but it's really fun. But yes, Meghan Markle is in it, but I wouldn't say she's one of the main characters. She's a recurring role, but...
2: I'll have to say, I thought the show was called Suits because they wore suits for the longest Is time. Is it not? No, it's because it's a short word for lawsuit. Blew my mind when <laughs> oh, I heard that. I thought
1: was because they wore suits.
2: Okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean they do wear dapper suits. They look really good all the time. Yeah.
1: Who's next? You. Cool. Yeah. Superstore. Have you all seen Superstore? It's a comedy. It's funny. I
2: haven't seen it, but it's on my list.
1: It's almost like the office and parks, is documentary style about a big store like a Target or Walmart or big lots or something. And yeah. it's hysterical. It's a comedy.
2: I'll watch it next. But next on the list is Mad Men.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also have not I seen
0: love this it. Oh, it's amazing. One of the greats. I like it because it's taking place and it's a ad agency, but it hits on major milestones that also would have happened at that time, like Kennedy and things like that. So then you really are embracing that. And just Don Draper is absolutely amazing. John Hamm, so good.
1: And just the era it takes place in. Yeah, it's
0: just the fashion is fantastic. You know, they're talking about trying to sell like cigarettes and, um, you know, different kind of products that you're like, marketing is totally different Mm now.
2: I feel bad for not seeing
0: that show now. (laughs) You need to watch it. It's Especially with your world. Yeah. You need to watch it. Okay. I will okay. watch it. <laughs> Abbott Elementary.
1: Have you seen it? No. It's about teachers. It's a newer show. It's I've, funny. I've
2: heard a lot about it. This is also on my list that I will get to okay, eventually.
1: Yeah, I think it takes place in Philadelphia. It's like mm-hmm. the struggles of uh, inner city public schools and the teachers, and it's it's yeah. a comedy. It's, it's funny. Hilarious.
2: I've heard it's hilarious, and they've won a bunch of Emmys. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Very cool. And the last on the list. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Have yeah. y'all seen it? No. it's cops. good yeah yeah. it's Cops in yeah. New York and I hesitated to watch it for the longest time because it's one of those shows everybody watched I was like I don't want to watch it because y'all are watching it like That's you with The Office me.
0: Yeah,
1: it turns out it's funny Andy Samberg is funny
0: okay I'll have to check it out Pop culture is really embracing trying to relate and understand the different workforce because obviously, when you go to work for somebody, you kind of become a family, whether it's dysfunctional or not. It's it's your family mates, it's your coworkers. So that ties perfectly into Cam, who is our secret guest?
1: Our guest, I am pleased to announce that it is Nellie Golmiva from GTG or Grinder Taper Grinder, which is a local contractor.
3: We are a Hi, everybody. By the way, <laughs> we are a commercial general contractor. Okay, yeah. A lot of cool work. I'm going to say this. Uh, when I started working for them, I didn't really know who they were. And then, you know, just kind of learning about all the different projects they've done. Now I drive around town. I'm like, oh, my company did this and this. And like, <laughs> I like I was the one who somehow was in charge of building all these projects so many years ago. But um, it's definitely really cool, especially like going to Crosstown Concourse, like especially when I have like visitors, I'll bring them into town and I'll be like, oh, look at that. And we have a, it's called a founder's column. Um, I think it's right around the, where they had the art gallery. Um, and so I like will walk over there. I'm like, I work for that
0: company. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so cool.
1: yeah, I was on y'all's website, uh, earlier today and the stuff you've got is stuff done. It's like the Orpheum ballet, Memphis, uh, Crosstown concourse roads. I mean, you've done so many different projects. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. You're a staple in Memphis.
3: Very, very much so. And and we do so many projects that, you know, the public will say doesn't see. And that's what keeps us busy. And that's what keeps us going. And I'll say pay the bills, right? But the signature projects are definitely the ones that you get to, to yeah. brag about. So that's cool. It's really cool.
1: Well, let's get to know you. Tell us a yeah. little bit about yourself <laughs> and how you came to Grindr Tabor
3: Grinder. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually moved out to Denver after finishing my associate's degree at a community college. Um, I grew up in Champaign, Illinois. Did not want to go to the University of Illinois. Was like, oh, everybody goes there. Uh, so, <laughs> like,
1: is it the Illini? Is that what? With...
3: Fighting Illini. Oh, Illini. Oh, oh, so that's yeah. how you say it. I've always wondered. Yeah, yeah. So if you're from Illinois, you say Illinois. If you're not from Illinois, you say Illinois with an S at the end. So uh, you can always identify the people. Uh, <laughs> that's oh. cool. <laughs> All right.
1: So you didn't want to go there. You didn't want to do like hometown college.
3: yeah. yeah yeah, and, and let's be clear—it's a, it's a huge university, but it's one of those where like half your high school goes to, you and you're like, oh, I want to be cool. And <laughs> um, so moved out to Denver, um, attended the University of Denver. That's where I finished up my bachelor's degree um, in business management, and I had a focus in hospitality management. And um, you know, I will say that was my first experience with a really amazing recruiter. So my story goes: I finished my associates, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I always wanted. Wanted to open my own restaurant and I'm like okay so it makes sense to have a business degree if you want to own your own business and so I looked at different a bunch of different schools and so many schools that had this hospitality degree it wasn't part of the business school like one of the local schools it was part of a agriculture school like it just didn't make sense why a hospitality program would be part of this so I I went online, did the millennial thing where I Googled, (laughs) like, (laughs) top 10 schools to go to for hostility programs. So I gave me the list, you know, I literally went through, emailed all 10 schools and had three questions, something along the lines of like, What's your transfer process look like? You know, how much is, you know, out-of-state tuition? And I, I don't remember what the third one was, but sent 10 emails to 10 different schools. Five of them never responded. Oh. Out of the other five that did respond, three basically were like, here's the website. You can find more information mm-hmm. there. And I'm like, this is this is crap. <laughs> yeah. um, and the only one, and, and they made the best impression on me, was DU. I, um, I heard back from a counselor. She reached out. She went bullet by bullet, answered all of my questions that I had with more information, and said, "Hey, let's let's schedule a call. I want to talk to you. I want to see if we're the right school for you." And it was just the the whole experience. I mean, um, she helped me schedule the college visit, so I flew out there, did a college visit, really liked the campus. I met with her while I was there for my visit. After we had talked on the phone, and she's like, "You know, whatever you need," I'm like, "Well." this is a private university, it's a little pricey, you know, I'm just, I want to make sure that I can afford it. She's like, no problem. I'll literally help you apply for financial aid, for marriage, whatever it is, we want you here. And after that experience, I was just like, A, I don't want to go anywhere else, but B, this is somebody that made me feel so welcome. And so like, I want to be here. I I, I, really just kind of inspired And I always kind of, when I recruit people when I talk to people and especially when I talk to college students that's kind of the person that I reference in the back of my, I don't even remember her name anymore I feel so bad but that's kind of the experience that I reference for myself that feeling of like being welcomed and being wanted um, mm-hmm. to be a part of you know this this institution. So going to school there was an amazing experience. Um, the hospitality program there is very highly rated. The dean mm-hmm. is amazing. His name is Dr. Corson. Um, he does so much. And the other thing that he taught us that that I now reference for myself in my career, professional career, is getting out there and making connections in whatever fashion, just participating in, in as much as you can. So um, he did an amazing job with getting us students scholarships that if we wanted to attend different different professional organizations or if we wanted to attend trade shows or, any I mean, really anything just to get out there to meet with people in the industry, meet with recruiters, get ourselves resources to um, to be successful in our future careers once we graduate. Because that was, that was the other thing that I really liked about DU was that they boasted, I think in like a ninety six or ninety-eight percent placement rate six months after graduation into a job. Wow. That's huge. I mean a lot of schools that I talk to when I interview schools for, you know, recruiting their students (laughs) Some of them can't even tell me <laughs> oh, what that what that placement rate looks like. And to me, I'm like, if you're going to college, aren't you trying to then get a job? Shouldn't the college's responsibility be to get you those opportunities after graduation? And so Dr. Corson did a really good job of, of getting the students connected, getting us out into all the networking events, all the industry events. And whenever we would go, that was one of the things he's like go to everything, go to every workshop, <laughs> participate, engage, raise your hand, talk to people, meet with people and then follow up. If you do get that business card, send an email, you know, put in a uh, connection request on LinkedIn. You just never know how that introduction, that opportunity is going to lead to something else. And so I had an amazing time. I, I loved it. I'm gonna sing <laughs> praises forever and ever to um, to the school and Dr. Corson for his work. Um, he still continues to do that, which is which is really neat. but um, after I graduated, stayed in Denver for about, let's say, six years after. I worked. I loved it. Bought a house out there. It was really, truly an amazing experience. And I tell everybody, I'm like, that's back home. (laughs) Whenever I'm ready to go back home, that's going to be Denver for me. But pandemic was a big, let's say, life change, if you will. You know, we're all in lockdown. At the time, I was working for uh, Waffle House as a recruiting director for the state of Colorado. And we got we will say furloughed, not laid off, but furloughed uh, for a time. So I kind of sat at home, you know, everything was on lockdown. You can do anything. And I'm a social person. Like, I love to talk to people. I love to get it. That's, you know, part of the job is what I really enjoyed. And um, not being able to do that, I was like, oh, my God. When will descend? <laughs> let me out. So, oh um, so when I did finally get out, one of uh, the way that Waffle House recruits, I like to make the analogy of it's like a getting recruited into a frat or a sorority, where like you don't go on a website to apply; you have to get invited, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to be part, and that was that was my job. Is I got to be the recruiter. I would go out and I would meet people that I thought would be good to be a part of this organization, and um, you know, let them know about the career opportunities that we had and kind of the money that they could make and, and how they could grow the company and things like that and during the pandemic and post lockdown where you know businesses weren't open for you to walk into people were working from home and uh, nobody wanted you to walk around and hand out cards and shake hands. It was uh, you know you had to figure out a different way, you had to adapt. So yeah that was about we'll say 2020 to 2021 that year was was weird. <laughs> um, I had to figure That's out one way to put it yeah yeah <laughs> what to do with you know you've known you had all these rules you had all these techniques you had all these strategies and all of a sudden you just talk It all out the window, and now I have to figure out something, something completely different. You had to adapt. It was the winter, January of 2021. I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what to do. Like I feel like a fish out of water. I've known how to do all of this, and now I don't. Um, And so random but saw an email come through that was like hey they would usually send out for certain salary positions they would send out an internal email for people to invite them to apply first before you know sourcing it out to external candidates and email came through and they were like oh we're looking for a recruiting director in Memphis and it was a bigger territory with a higher salary and um, at the time um, literally like a month prior my my dad didn't it, it wasn't COVID but he did catch a really bad cold and we were all concerned that it was COVID and I was like, man, I'm like 15 hours away from my family. Um, flying is weird. Driving is long. Memphis is six hours away. And, and it's a pay raise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe maybe I should consider this. And um, so, you know, I I applied for reference. Never been to Memphis before. Oh, God. Uh, never seen it. Only heard bad things. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> what am I doing here? Um, but they flew me out. I met the team. I drove around. Um, literally, they flew me out. It was like a Thursday. And then my flight back was on a s- Sunday. And so I got two days to drive around in my little rental and um, got to see Memphis um, on my own. It was a very interesting experience cuz like i went to feel straight and there were like three people out yeah, and everything yeah. was closed <laughs> I was oh like gosh. oh my god what is this but i liked it it was it was something different something new and, and um i really liked the team so i was like you know what let's just do it <laughs> 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 um last year i probably would have been like absolutely not i would never leave Denver in my life and now a year later after the pandemic is like i want to do something new i want to i want to experience this so um it's kind of
1: a gut feeling you had
3: yeah yeah it was it was more of like a head feeling where your head's like Let's do crazy things.
1: (laughs) Let's leave the mountains for the Delta.
3: (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, so I moved out in March and it's been a wonderful experience. I honestly... I'm so glad I took the chance. Um, it's been incredibly rewarding. I will forever sing praises about Memphis and the opportunities that I got here. It's a different experience, you know. I never lived in the South. Again, you know, when you grow up in a certain area, or you only hear about certain, you know, places. You just as- make assumptions. Right. And I have not entirely proven wrong, but almost everything that I've heard, I have not had that bad experience, um, or I have looked back and said, you know what. Bad things happen, but they happen everywhere, and I've only experienced great things here. Memphis has been amazing for me. That's, That's really great, good to hear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I gotta ask, when you came to visit, what other things did you do? Like, what Memphis things did you see?
3: Yeah, so um, obviously Beale Street. So I had because after my two days, I called up my best friend. She's she's kind of my I bounce my ideas off yeah. of her, and I was like, hey, you know, I really like the team. Um, the salaries make sense. You know, I think all in all, this is a great move for me. And she's like, cool. Well while you're here, you should probably look for a place to live. I was like, that's, that's a great idea. So I went online and I made um, a list of apartment places that I wanted to to live in and literally drove around to those apartments first, just to get, at the time you can see, you can like schedule right, a right. visit. Yeah. Um, so just kind of going from outside, you know, looking to see what was outside of the building looking nice. <laughs> What's Are the there? area around it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what I would do I would drive to the, to the uh, apartment. And then I would just turn off my GPS and drive around kind of in a couple block area just, just to see what's what's there. And I hiked and, well, I say hike. I walked around uh, Shelby Farms. Good. Um, nice. It was it was wonderful. I was like, this is this is a great experience. Um it's something well,
1: we're very proud of. Shelby yeah. Farms. Oh,
3: it's yeah. beautiful. I got to see the buffalo. And like, in the, in the <laughs> mist, it was like raining. But oh, it was yeah. like misty. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so cool. Um, And then Overton Square. Again, everything was kind of closed down, but I still, you know, parked my car, just kind of walked around. I was like, this is really cute. And I actually, my first apartment here Year. I ended up living like two, three blocks away from Overton Square. Oh, cool. Oh, nice. um, so, and like a block away from Overton Park. Right in that midtown, heart of midtown. Um, loved it. we lived there for two years now. and We just, uh, actually, just bought a house over by uh, University of Memphis. Cool. Nice. But I miss that area so much. If yeah. I could go back. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. It was honestly the best. Uh, I wanted to live downtown, but having lived in midtown for the last two years, I'd say midtown is the way to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Where is GTG located, like its office?
3: Yeah, so we are off of Linfield and Quinn's. Okay, yeah. We're yeah. kind of tucked in off of Poplar over there. Also, a great neighborhood. You know, if you want to go walk around, I know one of my coworkers, he he runs during his lunchtime, lunch break. So nice. uh, he goes for <laughs> runs kind of all around the neighborhood out there and he really likes it.
1: Okay, so give me like a day in the life of what it's like, like your job at GTG. Like,
0: what is your actual job? What do you get to do? Because yeah.
1: talent manager is a super cool title.
0: Yeah,
3: got to invent that title for myself. No way. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, um, um, so this is a fun story. Um, the way that I ended up at uh, Grinder Tabor. So I had worked for so Wolf House moved me here. I worked for them for a year, and I was just—I'll be honest—I was struggling a little bit because I I didn't have the network that I had back in in Denver that I could rely on for recruiting and. Um, it was still weird lockdown times, so like career fairs are a really good example where like I shine, right? A career fair, I just rope in the kids, you know, make eye contact with them, I'm like you come over here, grab you know a waffle coupon, and 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 we get that conversation going. And you don't have the same energy when it's virtual. Um, kids also don't have the same requirement to attend a right. virtual fair. It's so much easier to not attend something mm-hmm. when you don't have to go out of your house, if you will. Um, so. Everything at the time was still fairly virtual. We weren't really allowed on campus for events. Um, and so for that year, I was just, I was really struggling. I'm like, man, I, I can't hit my numbers. I can't recruit. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I should look for something else. Cause I just, I, I felt like I wasn't succeeding and that was really weighing on me. So started kind of looking around for other opportunities and, um, One of my best friends here, her name is Heather, she was actually leaving teaching to kind of transition to a new career opportunity. And uh, she mentioned to me that she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I interviewed with this company. Um, I really like them. They do Instruction here in Memphis I was like, oh, that's you know from teaching. That's kind of a, a switch, but hey, more power to you, right? And so she she accepted the the offer that they gave her, and you know we we're just kind of chatting, and she's like, yeah, you know during my interview they mentioned if um, I would be open to kind of helping them with hiring because they are they're hiring more people, and they the owners cannot keep up, and I was like, well. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> I'm a recruiter. And she's like, do you want me to send in your resume over? I was like, yes, please. Um, so she sends uh, my resume off to Brett Grinder. Um, I hear back almost immediately from him and he's like, hey, you know, we'd uh, love to, to chat with you. And so he and I chatted a little bit. Um, he invited me in to to meet the team. And I honestly was just kind of like, You know, I never say no to an interview. If I get invited to interview for a job, I never say no. It's always great to keep that skill up, um, to see how other people interview, what the process is like. So it's always kind of a learning opportunity for me. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. Know nothing about construction. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I looked up the company like, 10 minutes before my sure, interview. Yeah. I was like, all right, who are these people? What did they do? And I saw Crosstown Concourse. I'm like, okay, I wanna work for these people. Like I like this place. I, yeah. I, I didn't even know that they were involved with that before Crosstown was one of the places that when I was driving around, I did not stop there, but I made myself a mental note that I was like, I'm gonna come back to this place if I end up moving to Memphis. And they didn't. I thought it was really wow. cool. <laughs> so cool. Um, so <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, like these guys are cool. Like they worked on this. So um, I get there and I admitted this in my interview because I thought it was funny. I didn't make the connection that that Brett Grinder was one of the grinders, <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I like pulled up into the parking lot and I saw the like Grinder Tabor sign, I was like, Oh, oh, he, uh, oh <laughs> you're <a> Grinder, <laughs> <laughs> you're that Grinder, <laughs> your your name's on a you're on sign the outside. Dogs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so went in, um, chatted with them. Really liked the guys. Really liked the energy. They were like, Hey, you know, we we've never had this person before that helped us with hiring. We've always done it ourselves, but we're just, we're too busy. We got a lot going on. And, um, you know, what can you bring to the table? And I was like, well, I can do a lot, but I need to know what you want for me, like what your expectations are. What are the problems that you want me to solve? Because yeah, I can come in and I can hire people, but I don't want to just dump a bunch of candidates on your desk and say, here you go. I want to make sure that whoever we hire, they're, they're a good match. And not everybody's perfect. Sometimes people you know, they sell themselves sure. as, as more than they are. Sometimes people are a great match and then something in life happens, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can't make the move or it's not the right opportunity or whatever it may be. So, so it's just like, you know, just, just let's, let's let clear expectations that I'm not going to like magically solve your problems. I'm not capable of, you <laughs> know, if your industry is struggling with, with lack of talent or a small talent pool, like I'm not capable of just like magicing people out of the air. But, um, they were, they were very understanding of all that. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's see what you can do. And so they made me a great offer. And, and I get to work with my best friend. Now I get to see her every day. We get to, we try to have lunch as much as we can. She stays pretty busy. But uh, yeah, um, when I, uh, when I came on board, I knew nothing about construction. It took me about, I'd say probably about six months to get really comfortable with like, I tell everybody, I'm like, now I'm at a point where when people tell me something, I know exactly, not exactly, but almost exactly what they're talking about. And I can tell when they're BSing me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because prior to this. And, you know, people are throwing out all these industry terms. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like writing it down so I can (laughs) Google it later or like ask somebody about it later. Uh, But now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, like, I think I know what you're referring to and, um, you know, what you're trying to sell yourself as versus what you actually do. Um, So I've gotten comfortable with that. But um, yeah, when they brought me on board, they were like, I mean, you had a director title. Do you want the same title? I was like, I don't really care. But since I'm going to be a recruiter, I don't want, you know, my title to be like VP of People Operations or some, something yeah. ridiculous, and then you know a college kid's getting an email from a VP of People Ops like that's yeah. that's a little silly. So I wanted it to be something. And the other thing too is I'm not just a recruiter. You know, I once we bring people in, I want to make sure that we keep them. Right? What is what is re- w- retention? What what other opportunities do we have to to keep the talent that we have? Because honestly, replacing talent is so expensive and so mm-hmm. cumbersome and so time consuming. If you can keep your good people, you can keep them happy, keep them engaged, keep them well paid, um, and just honestly create an environment where they don't even want to take that that interview right. with somebody else, right? Yeah. That's that's another part of my job because honestly, as as owners, that those guys don't, just don't have the time to, you know, meet with every single person every single time and, and get all the feedback. They're running around, they're doing so much. So I tried to again not only bring in the talent but keep the talent that we have. So that was I was like, what can I I don't want to be HR. I don't want people to get the impression that, you know, I'm here to punish them every time <laughs> I reach out to them. And uh, so, yeah, so that was that was kind of the, the the title that I cooked up for myself. I was like, hey, are you guys okay with me being a talent manager? Because um, I think I, I felt that that kind of encompassed everything or a little bit of everything that that I do on a daily basis. And so I'm the talent manager.
0: <laughs> I love that because it's it's really cool because then you're able to really like bring somebody in and then be kind of that person that it's no you're not working with them every day but they know they've got somebody they can talk to they can check in with it's not the seriousness of HR but just more companies need to do that that's great because we've talked about before the issue of what COVID did and how employment and it's hard to find people because there's a lot of people who are just not going into different fields They're not wanting to go into this in different industries. And then you had a ton of people retire because of COVID. And so now it's trying to fill that. And then it's just making sure that you weed through keeping people happy, but then also the culture and making sure you've got the right people working together. Because that's something we've talked about a ton is just balancing that out. So do you kind of have a structure that, hey, I'm going to touch base with these people at certain points? Or is it more just kind of, natural just right now we're kind
3: of leaving it up to the employees to to check in and if they have questions and i let them know i'm like hey guys if you ever feel like anything you know whether you're super happy you're super upset whatever maybe let me know sometimes I call it the um, the the princess in a tower syndrome where a lot of people wait to be rescued where they mm-hmm. wait to be brought in to the room to to be given an appraisal they wait to be given to be recognized for their work they wait to get that pay raise and truth be told only you know how hard you work- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean that's no one there is no way that any company even even the most you know, the biggest companies out there, the most robust companies, they have no great way of tracking, you know, all of the productivity that goes on that you do on a daily basis. So waiting to be recognized is kind of a silly notion, I think. Mm-hmm. You're really punishing yourself. And I, and I realize sometimes it can be a little hard to just be like... You know, kick down the door and be like, "I want a pay raise. <laughs> um, I deserve more. I work so hard. I Give work... me more money." <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I I try to tell people, I'm like, if you're not comfortable, let's let's go into this together. I'll be your your buddy, right? I'll help you out, and and within reason, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, you the employee, you're not the one signing my paycheck, right? Um, but at the same time, I don't want to lose you. Like, I don't want to have yeah. to replace you. So I try to be that advocate that says, "All right, let's 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 review your options." and not that I ever encourage anybody to, you know, I'm like, all right, get out of here. Go <laughs> find somewhere else to work. But sometimes the issues that people have with, with the company, it's, it truly is with the culture or the owners, the boss, whatever, the manager. Sometimes getting more money to stay is not worth it for everybody. And right. so you got to sometimes you have to help people really think through those. Like, is it is it an issue of, you know, I'll, I'll make a little bit more money and I'll be happier because then I you know, afford to take an extra vacation? Or am I unhappy because of the culture in the company or the work expectations or communication styles or whatever it may be? So um, sometimes you got to talk to people and ask them, you know, kind of walk them through and help them realize, am I going to be happy here or not? And is it a here or is it a, a what? And like, what's what's the issue that's that's causing me to be unhappy? So um, sometimes, you know, helping people realize that maybe maybe we're not the perfect workplace because you you can't be, you you can't be the perfect place for everybody. So again, all kind of feeds into (laughs) retaining and taking care of your talent. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about the flip side of it. And you hit on it a little bit earlier. When you're looking to acquire talent, you're trying to fill a role. Have you found a tried and true way to like really know if it's the right person? I say that because like when we're trying to hire people, we use like Indeed or whatever, Indeed.com. And of course, they're going to knock their interview out of the park because that's what people do, even if it means like lying or just like putting on your best your best self. And then you, they get into the position. It's like, you're not who I interviewed. Like, have you found a good way to really dive in before you hire these people to see who they like really are and what their work ethic is?
3: There is no perfect answer for that because every a, every position is going to be different. What you need from your accountant is not going to be the same thing you're going to need from your sales guy, not the same thing that you need from your maintenance guy, right? So um, every position requires different skill sets. And I think I find that a lot of employers fail to interview four different positions. I think they come in with their set of 10 questions that are the same for everybody <laughs> um, and again what you're asking of your accountant versus your sales guy are going to be two completely different sure. things. so um, I think that's that's a big consideration to make is um, you know adjusting your interview for um, for the different positions, recognizing the skill sets that are needed. Um, I think sometimes people what they think is important versus what is actually important in a job, Going to be different things. So I'll give you an example. Like as a recruiter, in my opinion, your recruiter should be your best salesperson. I sell the job, I sell the company. You know, I'm the best company rep out there um, for for grinder taper, for example, right? And so I go to a lot of career fairs and I meet (laughs) a lot of, I'm gonna call them recruiters, but they're not recruiters. They're sitting behind the desk, they're not making eye contact, they're not chatting people up, they're not inviting the candidates to come and talk to them. They're not selling, they're not selling themselves, they're not selling the company, they're not being a proactive salesperson. And so if your job description says, well, 10 years of recruiting experience, but you meet somebody who is shy and uncomfortable with talking and, you know, you ask them, how do you feel about if tomorrow we close down a recruiting department, where we want to keep you and we want to put you into sales, how do you feel about that? You know. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, would never do sales in my life." Well, there's there's your answer. <laughs> you found somebody who's not comfortable with that, um, and so I think recognizing the the skills that are required, uh, the skills that are necessary, um, and then you know modifying that those interview questions um, to fit. And I also I, I do listen to what people tell you. I think a lot of people. When they ask questions, they have a specific answer that they're looking to hear from people. And let's be very clear, most people at this point have, if they're worth their money, they've they've kind of figured out the right answers to give. Mm-hmm. So listen for what's in between those answers. Like what what's in between the lines? What are people telling you? And um, sometimes I find that if you just let people, they will tell you. Everything. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. If you just stay quiet long enough, they will start talking, and you're like, "Oh dear Lord, I did not need to know that." Thank you so much. That <laughs> became very personal very quickly. Oof. <laughs> um, so, but people will people will tell you, and um, I think a lot of us just don't create enough silence to allow people to to talk. But if you let them, people will tell you a lot of things that you need to know. And um, you know, I think there is a huge value in, in meeting people. You know, face to face, and and sitting them down in in the same room, and um, just even chatting about, you know, sometimes I will say. Uh, More personal questions. You can't ask people, you know, how old you are, and you know how many kids do you have, and what disabilities you have, and you you know, (laughs) know what's not legal to ask. But you know, you can just, hey, how was your day? You know, um, what'd you do this weekend? Like, what are you excited about tomorrow? I don't know, just just something very light and very easy. And and watch how people, what they talk about, what they mention, how they talk about it. Again, if you need somebody who wants to do sales and they give you a yes or no short response and they don't want to engage and they're not friendly well, maybe you just, you know, they might look good on paper and they might ace that interview with all the right answers to your questions, but if they're not friendly and pleasant about it, then there you go. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, Court, who's not in here and and myself, we are in charge of finding people, you know, filling in roles. And so we'll do the initial interview. And I've learned over the years that, you know, Court will usually give the intro spiel about it. But before I ask any questions related to the job, I'm just like, tell me about yourself. Just what do you enjoy doing? Because it, you can just feel this sigh of relief and then you really get to know the real them instead of them being on edge the whole time. It's just like, okay, they want to know about me. Let's get real here. <laughs> and that's been very helpful.
3: I try to keep it concise, but I'm one of those people who just, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to a wall and I'll keep on talking. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I got to, sometimes I got to like, Cut it back when I realized the person's like, okay, and this is twenty minutes past <laughs> past our inter- schedule interview time, right? Um, but I had a hour and a half long interview one time for uh, for a job, and I loved the job; it was wonderful. Um, but uh, one of the questions I got asked was. Uh, What is your spirit animal and why? Yes,
1: Um, I love those kind of questions.
3: (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Completely off the wall, totally random. Um, And uh, I think it was a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, I I, uh, answered what mine was, uh, which is a raccoon, if you're curious. Um, Very good. I was very curious. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I asked my interviewer what his was. We had a whole long conversation about animals for about, you know, 15 minutes. But um, it was, again, it was just that, like, How how do we talk about it? What are we talking about? Um, And you know how comfortable? Because I I had it was a sales and recruiting role, um, so I had to be had to be ready for the the weird off the wall questions and be
0: ready to roll with it. Um, So yeah, that was that was probably the best wild question that I got asked. Love that, (laughs) love it. I think too many times we forget that interviews are both sides. Like they're seeing who you are, and you're seeing who they are. And I liked how you said it's making sure you're tailoring it to that specific role. And I think that I know we've been in situations where we've interviewed multiple people and it's like we've learned from the previous interview of like, okay, well, we didn't really like that aspect of that person. Now, how do we figure out how to make sure this person doesn't have that same kind of thing? And yeah, so I mean, I think that's really interesting of trying to like change it up and make sure you remember like, hey, this is why this is who we want. This is what it is. This is what we want them to walk away knowing about us and then, you know, kind of bounce that off each other and listening. That is what our job is or my job for sure. Most of the time I just sit there and listen to clients. I walk in and I'm like, OK, so tell me why you're here. Because they may have written down on the email or told our receptionist, I want to come in and talk about opening an account. But then when we get to it, it's like they're needing help with budgeting or they've got credit card debt or something like that. And so too many people, I think it's just like, let's get in, get out. And it's just, listen, we were were given two ears and one mouth. But a lot of times we let our mouths run a lot more than we listen yeah, it's it's
3: very easy to run over the candidate especially if they're nervous I, I I'm sure everybody can agree here you can catch somebody else's nervousness and then you get nervous <laughs> but you're sitting there like why do I have an anxiety attack <laughs> I'm interviewing here you know'm I'm, I'm, I'm in the position of power but um, so it's it's easy to, for you to start filling in your own silences um so yeah so you know creating creating that space to let people tell you and I find too like if you have that question my favorite is like oh well You know, we see they have so many different jobs, or they weren't in a position for long Mm -hmm. enough, and maybe they're not the right candidate, right? We made that assumption just because of, you know, whatever. Ask the question holding back and making assumptions, you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, Ask the question. Now, again, know what the legal questions are. There are certain (laughs) questions we can't ask in the interview, but, you know, hey, do you mind explaining, you know, your previous work history? And um, if something seems a little bit off, one of my favorite kind of little red flags that I like to dig a little deeper into if I can is people say, oh, well, I left, you know, I left that job because of workplace fit or the environment wasn't right. And, Every once in a while you do, you, you get bad bosses, you get bad environments and Mm -hmm. you know, you just, you gotta go. Sometimes though, especially if it's, it starts to become a pattern that I'm like, oh, I think you are the content. Yeah. <laughs> not every workplace, not every single boss is terrible, you know, yeah. but you seem to leave, you know, everywhere because of bad environment or, you know, the, the job wasn't a fit or what have you. And I'm like, ah, I think you might be the issue <laughs> here. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of uh, asking those questions instead of making assumptions. And sometimes people, I will tell you this, when I notice a pattern of, you know, this is, small industry. There's only so many companies that do what we do, that do, you know, residential construction or industrial, what have you. And so especially here in Memphis, if I see candidates that are from Memphis and, you know, they worked for either a competitor or similar company, and um, I've noticed there's two or three people from that company that have applied to work with us. Recently, right? My first red flag is like, are they are they closing? Yeah. <laughs> Did they go through? Le- so I start to ask, you know, why are you leaving? You know, what's what's the story here? Because um, sometimes it's a hey, they went through a leadership change and that leadership change it was not good. One person might say that, I'm gonna be like, mm, but if three people told you that their leadership change was not good, then, then it really was, yeah. you know, there was some kind of an issue there. So that's something that I pick up on or try to pick up on as well, especially in, in a small industry like we have, like. Is there something going on? You know, is somebody closing? Is somebody going out of business? Is somebody, you know, brand new boss, owner, and now they're not good? Little things like that, because that does come back to to us as well. You know, are we going to pick up more business? Are we going to lose a subcontractor that's worked for us for a long time? Or maybe, you know, we have a lot of work with them and all of a sudden half of their office staff quit, you know, it's not going to impact um, the work that they're going to do for us. Those are the little things that, like, in the back end, you kind of are like, yeah, i to got to keep that in mind.
1: It sounds like your job, like, you're almost a therapist or psychologist. Like, a lot of listening and a lot of pointed questions and a lot of people, like, telling you their personal information and you're like, hmm, very interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. funny. yeah. For sure. But I definitely like how, I mean, specifically what you were saying with the grinders, how they I, they knew that they were so busy and they knew they were better spent running the business, making sure things were done, and that they needed to outsource. They needed to have somebody like you who could really be the voice, be the reason of finding these right people. And I think that's the issue is sometimes with companies, whether it's funds or just not knowing, they try and handle everything. And sometimes the best person to sell your brand and sell your company and find the right people isn't necessarily the head guys it's you know they need to keep doing what they're doing to keep making you know everything run so I think that's something I want people to take away from this as well is like your role is a very valuable role that most every company should have you know something
3: that I look at just for myself you know keeping keeping up with business what's going on in the world you know a biggest sign for me that companies aren't doing so hot or things are about to change is usually so I think a lot of companies, I think most companies view HR and talent management, recruitment and all of that as a cost center, right? Like. Everybody's like, oh well, we're just wasting money <laughs> on these people, and and so usually companies when they start to cut, they, that's that's the first department that goes. They they always trim the recruiters. They're like, oh, we don't well, if we're not going to be hiring, we're going to get rid of all of our recruiters, and then we're going to cut back our HR. And because again, companies look at that as this is a cost center. And I think you know in recent times, <laughs> um, recently you know there, there really has been a shift, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit Gen Z really for for a lot of that push for, you know, creating workplaces that are equitable and inclusive and, you know, really looking at how companies take care of that. But somebody has to work to create those workplaces. You know, they don't just happen. And when companies, again, look at HR and talent and... Pretend, all of those, that entire department, the the people department will say, when companies l- look at that as a cost center and they don't value it, well, what's the cost of you know having bad employees? What's the cost of not having employees and not being able to pick up the extra business? Or what are bad people costing you? A lot of times, companies can't put a number on it, but they can put a number on the salary of you know the talent manager, and mm-hmm. they'll say, well, you're you you cost us this much. You need to go. Honestly, the worst thing that a company can do for themselves. Is to hire urgently and when it, and, and make a hiring decision that's pressed um, because. We are no longer considering, hey, is this really the best candidate for us? We're looking at it as we need this person to fill, you know, we need that warm body in the room Mm -hmm. to fill that open seat. We need them. We don't even care if that person produces at 10% (laughs) versus, you know, the perfect candidate would produce at 80%. We don't care. We just need that person to produce. We just need somebody in there. And A, that person is probably not going to work out. They're going to leave you. And they might even do a lot of damage before they leave. Um, So you know, I see. Um, when I go to you know, when I go to career fairs. I see some companies that, you know, they see their talent management team as a value, as a resource, as an investment. Those are the guys that have great recruiters. They're active recruiters. They're salespeople. They have great pamphlets. They their tables are well set up. They're really selling themselves. They they can talk to you about what the company does. They can tell you what the benefits are. You know, they're really really putting everything out there for the candidate to make themselves attractive. And especially students, they, they want to see that. They have all those questions. You know, what does your company care about? How do you guys do things? What's the pay? You know, what are the benefits? Things like that. And um, truly, the companies that care and invest into their talent teams get the best students they get the best talent out of you know out of the candidate pool and then the companies who are like oh well you know a a recruiter is expensive we don't want to pay that money you know they're going to send out an engineer to go recruit because well that's the guy that does the job right like or that's the manager that does the job they should know best what kind of people they're looking but they're not a recruiter yeah (laughs) it's great that the the guy knows how to build a bridge but like is he uh, some of those people aren't even good managers you know they're just really good at being an engineer they're really good at their job and so you sent them to a career fair to represent your company and they can't even put the tablecloth on straight And you know, it's crooked <laughs> on the table oh, crazy i like walk around before the career fair starts and straighten people's tablecloths out because i'm like come on come on like this your first impression right there your, your name's crooked on the table like ridiculous so that's the kind of stuff that like Companies, when, I again, I realize you got your budgets, you don't, you know, not everybody can afford, because the salary is not just a salary, you have fringe benefits and other things that go into it, so people are more expensive than just the salary on paper, but can you afford to have bad team members? For how long can you afford to have bad team members? For how long can you afford to not fill your open recs, right? Um, and so, you know, realizing that, also realizing that true HR, true talent manager isn't your it, it's a busy job there's a lot that goes into it you know we talked about what, what my day-to-day there's you know a lot of times i go out and just taking pictures of what we do and checking in with our employees because not all of them are going to reach out to me and just like hey how's it yeah. going do you need anything do you need more uniforms can i get you Is all your technology working you know are you happy like do we need to bring you in chat with the owners um, so there's a lot more to it, but if your talent manager is also your secretary, is also your accountant, is also your construction <laughs> worker, you know, uh-huh. yeah, maybe they're not going to be good at their job because you literally gave them too much to do. <laughs> um, so you know, recognizing when you expect a little too much from that person, set clear expectations for what is your talent manager going to do because you know, depends. Sometimes you have to hire in large volume of people, right? And that's you know, it's just constant transactional. You're you're constantly reviewing resumes, you're constantly updating. Um, your job posts, you're doing so much. Sometimes, like I, I say, I do a little bit more niche recruiting, right? Because I recruit a higher level of candidate; they're a lot more skilled. There's a lot less the candidate pool is much, much smaller. So I have to do a lot more outreach. And I, what I like to do when I'm not actively sourcing is I like to actively collect candidates. Um, I like to connect with people. I promote our opportunities or us as a company so that people come to us. Because when I'm ready to fill a role, I don't even. I mean, I think the last. Two or three roles that I filled, I didn't even have to really post it on Indeed. I had candidates. That's really nice. Yeah, the candidates that I had applied, and I said, hey, thank you so much. I want to keep this relationship. I'm going to hold on to your resume. Mm-hmm. I don't have an opportunity right now. And I do. And then when I'm ready, I have a list of people that I just literally call back up and I say, hey, we talked a couple of months ago. I really liked you. I just didn't have an opportunity for you right now. But now I do. Do you want to interview Sometimes people already found a job; they don't want to talk to you, and that's okay. And some people are like, "Oh heck yeah, absolutely! I've been waiting for this call. This is this is this is what I want to do. I wanted to join your company." So, um, and you know, sometimes not everybody gets. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna brag. Not everybody gets to be part of a company that's so well known and so well respected. And you know, I can't take credit for for building this company, right? For for having this culture, but take a little bit of credit for selling it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Selling it. You can to take credit people. for
1: maintaining it. <laughs> Yeah.
3: maintaining it as well so not everybody has is blessed with that opportunity or sometimes you know had a recent uh, experience where a recruiter reached out to me and they're like, hey we have this really cool opportunity we want to talk to you and you know me I don't say no to an interview so here I go I go into this interview and I'm like, so what are you guys looking for And they're like, well actually like, our team is really good at what they do of recruiting lawyers. Like, they're, they're hitting their numbers. We have a great candidate pool, but we just don't have a good culture. And hitting metrics is one thing. Like, that's, you know, you can just make adjustments mm. and start – spending more money on advertising your positions or I don't know advertise on different job boards. But changing a culture on a team, that can be that can be a lot of work. That can and that can take a long time. So is your expectation you're gonna hire somebody and you know, two weeks later everything is just honky dory and perfect. No, like that's <laughs> that's silly. So setting clear expectations for yourself, what you expect this person to do and be able to communicate, you know, if you're gonna be adding you're going to say, okay, you know what, well, this, this podcast really changed my mind. I can't wait to get myself a talent manager. You know, they're going to going make a big difference in my life um, and for my business. You know, what are your expectations? I think being clear and, and saying, okay, I realize that it's going to take some time for us to to do all these things. And some people are just not fortunate enough to work for companies that have a great culture. Or they might have had something good, and then they went through that leadership change, and now it's no longer good. And now you're coming in and trying to, you know, fix the bad that happened and now you're trying to sell a company and everybody's like oh don't work for them they're terrible <laughs> you know i used to work for them they were awful um and you know that that can be hard not not everybody is fortunate enough to to be selling a company that's that's awesome that the, the, the love to be a part of that team and sometimes that does require a little bit of work and and i think again use the owner use the recruiter if you're going into that you have to recognize that you have to know you have to be smart enough to ask the right questions Uh, When you do, you know, at the end of the interview, they're like, what questions do you have? (laughs) Um, You know, ask those questions. You know, why why are you guys looking to fill this position? What are your goals in the next year? What are your expectations? And then listen to, you know to what that employer is saying, because if that employer is like, oh, well, we haven't really thought about it, <laughs> it's probably a red flag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe don't take a job with them, because they're going to expect you to do everything. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, you do have talent to manage. I mean, you do have a job we need to let you get back to, but I, I personally have one more question.
2: I had one question as well.
1: Perfect. So we'll do kind of yeah. a rapid fire. We'll
2: right. make it
3: quick, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: so it seems like you're a really driven person. I mean, you talked about you knew uh, kind of what you wanted out of university and college and then you made the the decision to move to Memphis. You seem driven, and that makes me think you've received some really good advice along the way. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten?
3: You know, I think the best piece of advice that I've gotten, and this is going to sound absolutely terrible, is to recognize that not everybody is on the same level as you are, um, whatever it may be. But um, the advice that was given, I'm going to just go ahead and paraphrase it here because it was – did not sound quite as nice as what i'm about to say but (laughs) basically um not everybody is as bright as you are (laughs) um recognizing that everybody thinks a little bit differently um the way that i've translated that to myself is um recognizing that uh just because you're on step 10 doesn't mean that everybody else is and checking in with with people and that's that's just more like in the workplace really recognizing that every team member has a different strength um, and everybody think again thinks a little bit differently so um i'm one of those people that i you know play in my own head. And then, you know, I got to step 10, and I'm like, here's your solution. And some people need you to walk them through the problem. They don't need to, they, they like the solution, but they need to walk. Through the problem with you, you can't walk through the problem by yourself in your own head, and then just give them a solution, because they're going to be frustrated with you. You're going to be frustrated with them. So, um, but my free advice that I give to especially college students, and (laughs) I'm just—it's going to be silly, and I really, (laughs) you guys take this with a grain of salt. um, (laughs) I go to college students; they love it. It's always funny. Is um, wear comfortable underwear um, to your interviews, (laughs) because um, comfort is confidence, and if you are comfortable, you're going to be just a little bit more confident in your interview.
0: I like it. That's
1: great advice. That is a great one.
2: You mentioned earlier about giving credit to Gen Z and I know a lot of people crap on Gen Z like it's easy to do. (laughs) Do you see a lot of promise from these college students and Gen Z work coming into the workforce at these career fairs you go
3: to? A hundred percent. I love it. I, I will say millennials we were halfway there. Gen Z has taken us to the next step. My favorite thing is to listen to people gripe about you know, Gen Z millennials too, but the younger generation, right? And the gripe is always, well, they're lazy. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to grind. Let me tell you right now, these are the most productive. The productivity level for these young people is off the charts. They do more in their one day than you 20, 30 years ago did in your entire week. So stop with the griping. Stop with the, oh, they don't grind reality is most of us don't give a hundred percent hundred percent of the time it's not possible you can't you just can't do that you'll burn out immediately mm-hmm. but being upset with the fact that people just are more efficient now more than ever um, I think that a lot of employers will say again 20 30 years ago, and even, I mean, again, millennial here, we were taught, you know, ask for what is what is growth. When I was graduating college, the advice that was given to us was every time you go up to a company, you ask them, what is what is the career ladder look like? Where am I uh-huh. going to go from here? What is this opportunity going to do for me in the next step? Those those were the questions that we were taught to ask, right? How am I going to get to the next salary step? And now the questions that the college students ask me is, you know, what is your company doing to be better to to engage the community. What opportunities do I have to to be better for for myself and for my community, right? Like not just where is this job going to take me and how much is it going to pay me, but how can I contribute to something greater than myself? And they care a lot more. I think they're putting a lot more employers on the spot. I think a lot of employers just never had to think about that kind of stuff and now they do. Um, you know, and I think that realizing that We used to – our work style used to be counting hours and watching somebody sit at their desk for eight hours, and you go, "Uh aha, that guy's working. (laughs) He's here. He took one less bathroom break than the guy next to him, so obviously (laughs) he's working so much harder to – We really, as employers, we need to shift from that mentality to having a mentality of managing tasks. And a lot of us fail to create a workplace that is task-oriented, whereas Gen Zers, millennials too, but Gen Zers really are coming out and saying, why am I wasting my time sitting here when I could be doing something else? They are task-oriented. And so creating Um, And this this goes back to I think why a lot of employers struggle with um, remote work. They cannot create a workplace that that manages tasks. They they had a workplace where they managed time, and so. Well, how do I know they're not doing their laundry on my time? Gasp. Like, come on. <laughs> this, this is being ridiculous because you never made expectation of time. Ta- and guess what? If your employee took six hours to complete the tasks and you're paying them for eight, well, they're just that much more efficient. Aren't you excited? That means that maybe you have an opportunity to maybe give them more tasks or, I don't know, give them a paper. Recognize their efficiency. Gen Zers are amazingly efficient, they are bright, they are driven, and we have to figure out a way to talk to them in a way that that recognizes that efficiency, that creativity, um, and that drive because I'm telling you right now, I look at those resumes and these guys are part of clubs. They volunteer, they work, they they play sports, they, they take a bunch of college classes. In those classes, they're completing a bunch of projects, they're, the expectations for them are so great. I mean, honestly, I looked at my own college resume and I was like, I was not nearly as productive <laughs> as some of these kids coming out of school. And um, yeah, and they're all, and that's that's the expectation. And we're almost like, oh, you only did 100 million things while you were in college <laughs> and getting, you know, a 4.0 GPA. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, recognizing, recognizing that we have a workforce that is just literally going to work not harder they're just going to be more efficient than we are and giving them credit for that yeah we have oh, a phrase
0: I... around here where we say work smart not hard like it's, it doesn't matter how hard you're working it's are you being efficient with your time are you getting it done you don't want to have just somebody sitting here miserable like oh well i've just got to clock the hours like get your tasks done and have clear messaging of what you're doing
3: absolutely Yep. absolutely i think recognizing that working smart not hard should not be punished but encouraged yeah yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, Nellie, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Yes. This has been a pleasure <laughs> talking about awesome. workforce and hiring. This has been an unexpected joy, actually, yeah. just like the, co- the conversation evolved. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you, guys. This this has been delightful. I really enjoyed it. Okay. Before we go, can you tell us a little bit about how we can find out more about you, about GTG? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am on
3: LinkedIn. Um, feel free to follow or connect with me. Um I was going to say, I saw on the list of questions about, you know, different things that you can do to, to be better. And LinkedIn is a great, great resource. But um, if you look me up, Nellie Golmeva, um, I do spell my name, my first name as N E L L I. Don't have a Y or an E at the end. Okay. So it's a little different, but a last name is spelled just how you hear it, Golmeva. Um, and uh, Grinder, Taper, Grinder, I mean, we're a little bit on everything. I'm um, just going to do a little brag that one of our <laughs> Instagram posts just blew up not too long ago. So no, really. You know. oh, okay. okay a okay. famous now <laughs> uh, but um, you can find us on our website and you can actually look um, and see the open positions that we have. We're actually, um, our application for our 2024 summer internship program is currently open. So any college students or parents of college students, <laughs> <laughs> um, that are listening that, you know, want to encourage, uh, to apply, um, that can be done online and it's just grindertabor.com. That's, that's our website. Um, uh, but yeah, we're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, what is it? Twitter X, X, X. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, Yeah, you can find us anywhere on there and, uh, you know, you can read a little bit more about our company culture and our history. Um, It's all on our wonderful, beautiful website.
1: Oh, there's the closing bell. That was good. Ah, man, I am channeling my inner court right now. You've reached the end of yet another exciting episode on the Bullcast podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard and want more, simply head to your favorite subscription service. We're available on all of them. And sign up to have our podcast delivered directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. I feel like I should have this memorized. (laughs) We're just so
0: used to court doing it.
1: Want to learn more about Katie Pickler or court or myself? uh, You can visit our website for detailed bios. While you're there, drop us a comment, suggest topics, recommend a guest, or even express your interest in being a guest. We're all (laughs) ears and we'll get back to you promptly. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. Do you like pictures? We've got pictures. Follow us on Instagram at Bullcast Podcast or Facebook or on X at Bullcast Podcast. We're everywhere, Katie. (laughs) Last but not least, we're proud to work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. If you're curious about what we do and how our fantastic team, led by David Pickler, can help you, visit PicklerWealthAdvisors.com.
0: That's advisors with an "no,"
1: Not an E. Katie, we're good at swapping places sometimes. <laughs> uh, I think we've given you all the tools you need to succeed. So go forth and conquer. But for now, I'm Cam.
2: I'm Katie. I'm Nicole. I'm Nelly.
1: See you later.